Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. And indeed, recording we are. So um, (laughs) good morning, Mr. Button. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, good morning, Mr. Bright. Well, it's a, it's a delight to see you, and you seem more chirpy than normal. Not that you're not chirpy, but uh, I have a feeling that a removal of a tooth has possibly helped your chirpiness. I yes, I am. I am now uh, lower on the wisdom, um, but uh, that it has made a huge difference to my overall well-being. Um, Is that like a man here that? Is that a mantra for life? You know, less wisdom equals higher well-being or something like that. Is this, it feels like this is very anti-biblical. To be fair, right at the minute, I felt kind of euphoric the moment the tooth came out. Um, And uh, I'm still probably riding that wave. Uh, It's it's surprising how much better I feel. Or even for those listening, how I probably even sound different. it seems to it seems that the wisdom tooth was responsible for quite a lot, um, right. and it was it was particularly bad thanks to uh, not being able to really get to dentist during lockdown. Oh well, that's uh, not going to help. That's not going to help at all. Yes. Yeah, well, I was supposed I was first supposed to go. I think I saw them in February, and I was meant to go in March, and it locked down. And now we're in October, and it got sorted. So that's that many months with it being an issue. Well, you know, then this is a thing for our for our listeners that if you've got any dentistry related stories, then please do email them to us uh, podcast <laughs> at thinking church. We'd love to read them out on air, and it, it could be I don't know, it's uh, the wisdom tooth section or something like that. You know, we can we can. I was going to say what does what does what does TC stand for this week? It's like uh, tooth coaching or something like that. I don't know something, yeah. to, something to do with teeth. Uh, yeah, let, let's let's not go down that road again. Um, is it just bringing like, yes, up painful I, memories? Is this the problem now? Uh, well, no, I've passed episodes where we tried to make TC stand for things that isn't thinking church, Chris. That's that's mostly it. That's mostly oh, yeah. where I feel the pain. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we won't we won't do that anymore. TC does, of course, stand for, for thinking church. And today we're going to be talking about hiring uh, or as I'm calling it, hire oglyphics. Uh, until I can think of a better title for this one. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk hiring. Uh, Lee, how does that how's that sound to you? Uh, that sounds great, apart from the titling. Um, but you know, answers on a postcard, people. Uh, if you want to, if you want to hit us up with what this should be as a, as a better title. But look, hiring churches, all sizes, it's a thing. That that's just that's just it. It's a thing, and. You know, as we just said, we are we are thinking church. This is we are not here to provide you with HR tools and frameworks. We're not here for like the legal side of it. This is about what do you put in place to think this stuff through prior to going forward and making those decisions. It's the kind of the pre-legal, the brief that you would give an HR advisor as to how you want it to proceed and what you wanted to do. 
So this is just some things that we've found in conversation with churches and the work that we've done. Um, small caveat to that, we actually do have HR people in one of our sister teams in the uh, uh, church office and charity office aspect of the work that we yep. do, who do provide HR um, uh, support to uh, for kind of like the back office aspect of running churches and charities. So we do have some insight, uh, but mostly this is a discussion about how to think this through, stuff to look for. Look, we've all been through big changes this year. Um, things are different. We're planning for next year. What you're, What's on the horizon now might not be what you imagined 12 months ago. It's a good time to start looking at this. Um, in fact, it's always a good time to be looking at your at the structure aspects of your organization to make sure that you are, uh, you know, we say fit for purpose um, and make sure it's right sized for what you're trying to do. Great. Okay. Well, let's dive into, let's start with the problems. What are the problems that we encounter when we come to hiring? <sighs> Many. Uh, okay. Uh, churches that are overstaffed, you know, really high levels of employment, High levels of employment can lead to low levels of volunteer engagement. Yeah, because, every, oh, you know, staff just do everything. And before yeah. you have a chance to engage a team, build a team, they go, well, I just did it because I had the time. And yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, also, like we know some statistics on actually overstaffing can be a sign of actually being in decline. Because if you're not engaging volunteers and you're having to staff it, but it doesn't always track with your financial position. Actually, the you know financially, if you're able to support that, but it doesn't mean you're healthy if all of your resourcing, financial resourcing, is going on staffing. That means you've got less work for some of like you know the the giving and the missional aspect of maybe what you're doing and, and things like that. So yep. there's a there's a balance to be had, and you know there's some ratios on that, and they largely fit for most churches. The next one is hiring the wrong person well but just just before we hit this one i mean it's worth saying that, that you know there's been a phrase that's gone around just thinking about overstaffing um that we've we've said it's been said a lot in the church world which is staffing for growth is 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 that true can you staff for growth or is that a myth uh there's always going to be an exception to the rule of anything that we say at this point that some people that have done the right things, putting the right things in place have staffed appropriately to what they want to do, particularly with like, you see this often with like kids work and student work and youth work, real growth engines of a lot of churches, particularly if you're in a university city or you've got a high number of, you know, younger parents of younger children coming through appropriate staffing to make sure you can reach them does allow for growth look staff for health not growth staff to make sure that the burden is well spread across your organization to make sure that things that need to be done get done and to make sure that you are right sized for today like you can look to the future you have a notion to what it is but advancing things that you haven't yet paid for, haven't got the refinance to back is a little, can be a bit of a gamble. Sometimes we'll call it a faith step. Sometimes though, for others, that can be a misstep. So we have to be very careful between what that is. I think it's instead of saying staffing for growth, 
We need to look at our organisations and we need to staff for the health of the organisation to make sure the right things are getting done in the right timeframes to give us that better chance of success to enter in all that God has for us so that we then can support the growth that comes as a result. And there's um, our, our good friends, the Unstuck Group over in the United States. Uh, they, uh, they've done a lot of statistics to say, OK, what's the levels of overstaffing or you know, what's, a, what's a healthy level? And their metrics that they've got from, you know, talking with lots and lots of churches and tracking a lot of statistics is about one to so one full time staff member to every 100 congregants. Congregants? congregation uh, yeah. congregants Con- congregants congregants is a word chris okay i'm gonna go with congregants and um, so one staff member to every 100 congregants now that does sound quite a lot because i think m- more churches in the uk are probably more in the kind of one to 50 one to 60 maybe one to 70 uh so that uh, some that's... of it yeah it, it comes down to average size of church i think and you know it's uh you know, we know from other friends of ours at the 95 network that even in the US, 95% of churches are under 250 people. In the UK, probably 95% of churches are definitely under 250. But actually, the average size for us is more like the 75 to 80 kind of bracket is the average size of church. But obviously, we've always got exceptions. There are bigger churches. But congregationally, we, we are below the 100 but even in that, the one to a hundred is a kind of like, you know, a rough guide, finger in the air to work out what you want to do. If you've got 80 people and you've got a, you've got a member of staff who's four days a week, they're probably looking after everything that needs to get looked after. Um, but it depends also what you need, because it doesn't always scale that that person is just employing a leader. Um, it might be that you've got, you know, a couple of days from a leader and a day of an admin person and a day of somebody in the kind of family community vision kids youth work you know and that's when that role becomes usually very broad uh and that person soaks up a lot of what the senior leader's not doing but roughly roughly it holds i i I haven't seen anything to the contrary that that you know that it's it's a good rule of thumb yeah absolutely yeah definitely uh so the second one was hiring the wrong person lee talk to me about hiring the wrong person because i think that can cause a lot of damage if you get the wrong person in oh yeah like they can they can go off on one creating crazy intros to the youtube videos and stuff that's off brand and all these kind of so, oh sorry is this is this <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm guilty as charged i think that's the, yeah no look in in all seriousness it is um this is like you know the relationship aspect of what you're doing and hiring the wrong person is it, it doesn't they're probably often as nice people and people that you know, but when they're in and in a certain fit or they've come from different backgrounds and they're now working in church environments, that there are all sorts of reasons why this sometimes just doesn't work. But actually, when it comes down to, you know, personality and attitude and a bunch of things, look, there's more pre-work that you can do to actually understand whether somebody's going to be a good fit within the organisation before it goes wrong. Okay. And also some people who are good at certain things in the organization won't necessarily promote and go to other things as well. We don't want to put them up to a place where they're no longer capable. So, look, 
hiring, hiring the wrong person can be catastrophic. It's, a, it's you know, on, on a good day, everybody agrees and it all ends well. And that person goes, no, this just wasn't for me. I understand. I see this. I'm self-aware and it all goes well. Um, on, on a bad day, it's a church split. Yep, you, absolutely. You know I mean? it's, yeah, it's that kind of thing where, you know, people start taking sides or you end up in uh, arbitration and you're in court and there's wrongful dismissal and it all gets messy. Look, think about this ahead of time. Hiring the wrong person, like hire, hire, hire slow, hire well and, you know, think it through and have an actual plan in place. And, you know, we'll come to this later on, but make sure that you are supporting that individual, that they're resourced well. You've got good line management that they're back with a great contract, you regularly review their job description, that you know what they're doing and you know how to monitor and evaluate uh, the work that they are doing um, so that they feel secure and they know how to raise concerns. And remember, raising concerns about a role that somebody's doing or how they're doing it is good and is positive because that's before it becomes conflict. So you don't end up in a thing where you go all of a sudden something they've done for six months is no wasn't a problem yesterday and is a problem today. That's not fair on the individual. But hiring the wrong person um, or for hiring for the wrong reasons uh, can be catastrophic. So you know that that's one of the big ones. Going on to the the third problem is that many churches hire what we cast as doers. So people yeah. that you're hiring people, we need this to be done. We need this to, and, and that can be a problem. Uh, Lee, explain why hiring doers can be a problem. Well, this is, this is when uh, the senior leader is super stretched and there's not kind of like a, a great depth to the organization in terms of like where roles sit. So you hire for short term problems that have occurred and that's normally people to do doing uh you know to fill you know short-term function without a long-term aim or vision around what they're doing and it it creates bloat it creates lots of part-time roles because you don't have full-time positions on all of that nothing wrong with part-time roles but if you start getting dozens of them that's quite an overhead um, and is, you know, there's a, there's a lot to sort out there and it becomes difficult, it becomes fragmented. Um, also, probably shows that you haven't got a great volunteer engagement strategy, that you're not getting volunteers involved into the life of what you're doing, uh, that some of these doing aspects could be appropriately fulfilled by people in volunteer roles. Now, volunteers still need volunteer handbook, volunteer contracts and, you know, volunteer uh, management for want of a better term you know we still need to look after volunteers and equip them resource them and look after them in terms of monitoring and evaluation and uh, but it's not an employed aspect but why aren't we getting volunteers in to look at some of these things and help us work out what's really required that we then employ well for the stuff that really needs to be done and that you know so yeah doers can kind of very quickly uh flatten the structure and uh just just give you a bit of bloat that's very difficult to deal with ongoing or then still not around on the times when then all of a sudden you need them because they're part-time roles and you know it, it's difficult to manage 
Yeah, uh, the, the classic uh, staffing, you know, how it normally rolls out is that the, the pastor normally is the first uh, hire. And the second one is yeah. always the, is usually an administrator to kind of do all the doing. Uh, and that can be a problem because what happens is it's just that that uh, administrator then gets overwhelmed with the amount that needs to get done. So then you the next thing is, well, we need another administrator. So then you end up having two administrators and and it just the the doing. Whereas actually, if it if you looked at hiring uh, and uh, rather than hiring someone to do, you are hiring people that could build volunteer teams, I think that that would uh, be a lot more helpful with getting things done. Um, yeah, this is certainly a conversation I'm actually having with two churches right now. Well, not literally right now, we're recording this right now. But at this present time, I am in conversation with two churches who are tackling that very question of like, going, we don't want to employ more people to put them under the senior leader. We want somebody who's uh, and we don't want to call them, you know, a pastor, but we need this kind of like volunteer and community coordinator uh, or to develop that so we know how to meaningfully engage people, work out their passion. Actually, it might ultimately start shaping what you as a church do as well. So also listen to it. If you've got a bunch of people in your church who can do a certain thing and they're willing to volunteer, listen to it because that's that's where things can be started and how you can create and how you can just do things well and engage people on uh, what God's called them to do as individuals as well. Yeah, that's great. Uh, okay, let's move on to how to hire. Now, there's uh, I think there's a few schools of, of thought of how you hiring, how you hire, and that is uh, hiring for skill uh, versus something like hiring for personality or hiring for this kind of like cultural fit, you know, in inverted commas. Um, Lee, talk talk about the, the kind of the the type of person you need to hire in terms of like how you go about that. Is it skill? Do you go for personality? What's the best way? Look, there are certain things where you're going to have to look to see whether they carry a certain skill. If you're employing for your bookkeeper or you need somebody more uh, an accountant within your organization, depending on your size, you know, you need, sorry, uh, uh, kind of like a finance director, or you are about to employ. Uh, you know, something that carries a recognised qualification, such as safeguarding, the same way if you've got somebody coming in for first aid and things like that. And, it, you know, it grades. There's a certain time when you need to look, see, do they carry some skill in this area? But actually what you're what you're looking for is beyond that is is the personality, is the character of the individual. Where, where, where would they where would they sit? What are they going to be like to work with? How do they What's their commitment to the organization? And not everybody that you employ will have to come to your church, by the way. You know, it's, uh, you know, don't, you know, some roles you're going to write job descriptions and you're going to have a person spec that says you want them to be part of the part of the church because the role they carry out might require them doing stuff on a Sunday. But uh, sometimes those roles are just going to be for people uh, to come and do do aspects of working in your building or within the church and they might not need to attend so think about that as well but look the personality side of it if somebody comes in and they've got bookkeeping skill but they're very teachable they're eager to learn they're committed and they're you know they're just like you know they're sold out on everything that you're talking about um, they know how to raise a query and they know how to you know appropriately push back without creating conflict so that they can actually challenge 
You don't want a bunch of yes people employed who just go with everything you say. Some of these things you need to know that they will challenge you. Okay, but respectfully and done well. And I think that's part of the personality. If they raise an objection, are they raising it with a good heart um, and to actually go help me understand? I want to push back on that. I think this might affect X, Y and Z. Listen to those people when they're doing that. If they're then teachable, if they've got their basic bookkeeping qualifications, they're going to be willing to learn and you can upskill them and put them on new courses and you can train them for future stuff. And you can you can you can do that. Look, the cultural fit question is a lot harder because the culture that you've got is observable and somebody who's coming into that has not acted in that culture before. So you're looking for like, what do they value? How do they behave? Um, and what do their behaviors in action look like? So, you know, and just because they, they might not have done well in another environment, but they might do really well in yours. So this is where you're, depending on where you're hiring, your, your, your hiring process could be multi-step for some of the more senior roles to make sure that you've got people and you've seen them uh, engage with the team, be on the job, you've done some level of profiling, uh, that you've, you've really gone to task. Look, use professionals for that. If you know what needs to be done, but you're not skilled in it, engage professionals to help you do those assessments well, that they are a great reflection. Because here's the other thing. It really honors that individual if you give them a no, but you can tell them why. But at the same time, you're giving them some feedback on how they behave so they understand where they would fit elsewhere and why they don't fit with you. Like that is a great gift to your candidates if they are coming for a job interview to be able to say, this has been a, an amazing time. We think you're great. You're not, you're not going to fit within the team and how we operate, and here's why. But literally, we've given you some feedback now that when you go elsewhere, you know more about yourself, you know where you fit, and we've honoured you in the process. So you can always do this well. And I think the thing is, is that you need to have that commitment to the hiring process to actually have a hiring process, to do it uh honorably and to do it, it ultimately for god's glory you've got to be doing the best to honor individuals in this but look personality character is 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 the big one people that you can work with will give you probably more than the sum of their parts and you can work with that and you can train for skill but you've got to be looking for if there's some root skill there in certain things to you know if you're doing kids work you need to know that they're good with kids if you're doing student work what are they like in that environment? What what background have they got? What experience do they have? And sometimes experience is enough. Sometimes you need qualification. Depends on the scale that you're at. So have this thought through before you get there um, as to what you're looking for. But personally, it, it often comes down to character flaws and character problems and why things don't work out. Or you can see good people when they don't fit causes friction. So, you know, be honourable, do it well character and personality train for skill and that will create the culture that you need I think what it means is that 
the traditional way of how we've hired in terms of, you know, you have a job interview and then from that job interview, you know, in that job interview, you normally ask a lot of um, competency-based questions. You know, give me a time when you did this and, uh, you know, tell me your biggest weakness. And they always say, I just work too hard, Um, which is always the classic. Um, And those kind of things are just really they don't really let you know about what the person's personality is like because everyone puts on a false impression in a an interview because they're trying to be something they're trying to be that the person that that want you know that the hirer wants them to be so they're trying to be put yeah. something on and that's not that they're disingenuous it's just because it, i think that's quite natural i think everyone is trying to go okay uh, what do they need how can i be what they need whereas when you think about, you know, you've got to find someone's personality, which means that you need to rethink how you think about your your interview process. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, I've heard some people say take longer with it, you know, take a whole day to, to interview someone. You know, if, if, if it requires that, to, to spend some time in more uh, social settings, you know, go for dinner with some, you know, with them and, 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 and not... Uh, have to worry about you know them answering questions and those kind of things because a lot of the time most skills apart from you know the you know something like accountancy and things like that they most skills can be taught on the job uh there are like i said certain skills that you need specific training for most but most skills can be taught but personality really can't be which i guess that means in a sorry in a ministry setting remember as well we're also looking for gifting and calling yeah. We can't we can't negate the fact that we need discernment on this process. Um, and I've been unfortunately been in places with churches where the, the the discernment is the thing that's been missing, or they think that just praying about an individual just then allows them to fixate on an individual. And the thing is, is that sometimes we have an internal bias as well that we have to be careful of, is that the things we choose, we tend to approve and like, and the things we don't choose are the things we reject. So if we've got someone in mind and we really like them, it kind of colours our view of how we want to involve them. So look, get some other people around to challenge why. Um, okay, so, you know, we're, we're going to believe that you're listening to God, but be prepared to like challenge and justify. Like there is no, it's not, it's not, being against you for the choice or the selection of why you've seen somebody or why you think they're right but you've got to be able to give a justification because there's like many of these things you know we'll come on to this in a little bit they still come under uh uk employment law there's still the charity law aspect of it you might even have church bylaws and processes and things that need to be in place but just be mindful of all of the things that this comes under and could you defend your position any of these points you don't want to open yourself to risk um but yeah remember the discernment aspect being prayerful in consideration and being able to spot gifting and calling and interviews are interviews are such uh, an odd environment because if somebody's interviewing with you they tend to have been leaving somewhere else yes and they might and it's right to just go oh i was in this other company and there was friction and i didn't fit but we don't tend to say things like that when we're in an interview being interviewed it's like you know i'm moving because i see the opportunity and i'm looking for progression and i want to move on it like no let, let, let's challenge some of that it's fine if some people like didn't leave well from another place sometimes it's like 
we've got we've got to be mindful as well that the, the the backstory and what they bring with them and where they've been previous and their own uh, learning through that. So you know, be prepared to do a bit of digging um, and yeah, push back and challenge and be robust in the process. And don't ask what is your biggest flaw because everyone just says the same thing or they say something that's not actually true. So um, they always say something like I try too hard or I just I need to work less hours or something. It was something like that. And it's just uh, it's, it's not helpful. And a lot. But the thing is, a lot of those questions are built that way. Tell me about a time when you did this is really, yeah. you know, you can shoehorn any story you want to be able to show that. And it doesn't actually help you know that that person is capable of doing the job or a right fit for the for the church so this is the thing it's like a lot of people in churches um especially if you've kind of like grown up in church trained in church and been through some kind of like theological school or ministry training and now you run a church is that when it comes to employing people you yourself might not have had a lot of training or experience on interviewing being interviewed other than the part-time job you had while you were at uni um, or, or what it's like to go through this process. So the, the, the church processes sometimes end up a bit cliched or a bit short because of lack of experience of even running interviews. So like, you know, interviews in the last few years are, are, are different to the years prior to that. And it's certainly changed over the last 20 years. So if you've got a board of people who haven't themselves sat in an interview for 10, 15 years, get some help and support to design your interview process and follow HR protocol and really consider the questions that you are asking. Because it's that's, you know, this day and age, uh, and you know, people coming through and our current graduate set and people that will be having through, their experience of this is not our experience of this. It's years, years since I interviewed for a position. In fact, the last time I had, I worked in a corporate job, I didn't officially have a proper interview. I I had like an assessment week. I was, there was a whole bunch of things to it. It was a very unique experience. But it also didn't require a CV per se. So it's like, you know, we need to be, we need to be mindful that there is an environment out there uh, that people's experience of it is very different from maybe what we know and understand of when we last interviewed or when we last went for a job. And interviewing for church um, needs some nuance to it because it's not the same as interviewing for a corporate job or where there's a very well-defined, very tight job description. Let's face it, in churches, you know, whisper this one, even if you're employed to do one particular job, you're going to get pulled into stacking chairs at some point. You know, you're going to cover something at some point. You're going to have some generalist aspect to what you do because it's it's got more of a family feel. So, you know, be mindful of that. You know, not that's that's not maybe what people might be expecting, but, you know, be very clear that, uh, you know, from time to time you'll be called upon to do other things because we pull together and cover stuff. A lot of churches look like a startup in terms of, you know, people doing stuff and doing stuff out of their usual area of expertise because we all pulled together like we did at the beginning in March when we all went online and your administrator learned how to be a light rigger and uh <laughs> do, do you know what I mean yeah it's yeah. you know we joke uh but there's people out there now going yeah our administrator who only knew how to do a you know 
the banding machine and only knew how to like, you know, still typing it up and printing it out and doing a printed newsletter, all of a sudden I had to learn MailChimp. Um, all yes. of a sudden I had to learn social media and how to do stuff. Like, yeah. So, you know, there's there's things like that. Have you updated their job description since? Have you made sure that they're trained? Um, it's going to come back to sort of like, are you checking on all these things regularly enough without it becoming a burden or an overhead? But the burden and the overhead of good running and great process is much better than dealing with the fallout when stuff goes wrong. about in the you know, hiring for personality uh, is probably Patrick Lencioni's book, The Ideal Team Player. It would be a, a good start. Uh, it talks about the three elements of, of uh, what a great team player is, which is they're, they're humble, uh, they are hungry, and they are kind of people smart. And I think it, yeah. that's a really good first step to think about. Uh, if you can do that in your hiring process, look for people that are hu- humble, hungry, and smart then you're in a um, in a really good position to be able to start thinking about that. So that's a, that's a, a book that we'd definitely recommend to read. Uh, a last question on that, on the kind of how to hire. Um, many church leaders might be looking to hire and they they say, well, I, I just want Dave to do the job. Uh, is, is headhunting illegal? Because I keep hearing, oh, no, no, it's got to go out for adverts. You know, it, it has to go out for advert. But, you know, you also hear in other job sectors or, you know, work sectors and industries that headhunting is is a thing still. So what what's the deal with, with headhunting? No, I've got to caveat this. We are not giving legal advice or specific HR advice on this. And I would say stuff like, you know, to purposefully headhunt uh, probably has a degree of grey around it. But think through, can you justify your decision? What's the degree of risk that you're exposing yourselves to? But also, if you've got somebody in mind and you make them adhere to the proper process and other people did apply, if they are the right person, they should rise to the top and be ahead on all criteria and stand out above other people. So don't be afraid of going through a proper process to get the right person. What if it, you know, like we're not, you know, we're going to say like, if you're like, no, it, it, it is this person and I want to do it. And it's a very specific job. Let's say it's somebody who's been volunteering for a very long time. And now that volunteer role is actually now managing other volunteers and is beginning to set, set bits of vision or look at creation and all these bits and pieces that go with it. And you like go, that person is now doing more than we would expect them as a volunteer. Actually, I think that's an employed post. Actually, you're going to move them from volunteering to employment. Now, do that right. Involve HR. But are you exposing yourself to a high degree of risk by identifying that person? Probably not, because other people were probably going to agree with you that it's a good step and it's very honouring for the input that that person's providing. But 
there is still nothing wrong with putting a job ad out and seeing whether anybody else comes in actually showing that your process and your selection of that person is now proven through process. Like, so I'm, I'm the person that would always go back and push on, no, we're going to go through process. We're going to have due process. And I believe that when this person comes through this, that they're still going to stand out head and shoulders, but it again, it's going to be independently done rather than being just my view on them as an individual. But there's nothing wrong with recommending somebody for a post. There's nothing wrong with identifying someone and saying, hey, do you want to apply? Um, I'd be a little cautious on headhunting per se. Um, especially unless they're like, you know, it's the, unless it's to someone's transition to be the new senior leader, um, which is a bit more relational. But at the end of the day, look, when churches advertise, I don't know what their expectation is when they think if they advertise a role that all of a sudden they're going to get 100 candidates and they're going to be from all different backgrounds, churches, maybe even different faiths or something come through the door and it's going to be a challenge. Look, if your church advertises and you say what you're about and you clearly define the role and you say what you're for, you are going to attract people. If that's got clarity, you're going to attract people who want to be part of that. You yeah, know, that, 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 yeah. that's the side of it. I've, I've never seen one where they advertise and you just get, you know, hundreds of kind of like, you know, random recruitment agencies and uh, out very, very generally. Look, you advertise generally in church circles and it's word of mouth and it goes in your bulletin and maybe it goes in church times or some other Christian magazine or something like that. If it's a bit more uh, broad or third sector even. But look. If you're committed to getting the right person and you know that somebody's the right person, I think it's good to put them through the process. It's honouring to put them through the process as if they've applied like anybody else because it shows that you value them. And it means that under scrutiny, you've got a defendable position. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's really good advice. I think definitely speak to your your HR trustee um, and whoever's dealing with yeah, that that's absolutely. always that's always good advice okay let's move on to uh who to hire now when we're f- first thinking about you know let's say that you've got you're thinking okay we need to make a hire in this area or we want we're at a place where we feel like we can hire uh the, the question is well what kind of person do you hire what kind of what kind of role do you hire for and um the first the first point we put on here is Firstly, can a volunteer do it instead? Um, because before you actually go to hiring someone, if you're if a volunteer can do it, get probably get a volunteer to do it. If because volunteering is the 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 bedrock of how uh, churches operate. It's it's built on that 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 yeah. that support base of volunteers, and it's, it's a volunteer run organization really, and um, and so. If you can get someone to volunteer, then then do it. You know, so if you're looking for, you know, an administrator, well, can is there are there people that would be willing to volunteer their time doing administration? Because that's actually going to save you a hire, and actually means that you can start to think more strategically about hiring rather than like we said in the problems. You know, the short term thinking means that you're just hiring because you've got problems. You know, hiring to solve a problem is not always a, a good way. So we've got. Yeah. Oh, go on. You go on it, and then we'll. we'll no, I was going to say, and volunteering. Look, I've we've I've been around church long enough now, um, and I've I've volunteered at churches, 
and I've been employed by churches. And sometimes when we've had new roles and we've not known maybe where it will ultimately go and we've tried to employ to something new, it requires a lot of working later on to make changes. But when we've had volunteers fulfill roles, it's really helped us in the defining what we really, really need. Or it's shown us that actually a volunteer base, whether it ends up being small volunteer teams or people, ways for them to hook into doing stuff, has allowed a spread of the load and has engaged a bunch of people that may otherwise not have been engaged and allows them to give and commit and serve. So it's balancing the opportunity as well, but also sometimes helping you define what you really, really need. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we have four kinds of uh, people to think about, or four types of roles to think about when you're hiring. Uh, so the the first one is is vision setters. They're probably the 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 one you need to think about first. And now technically that normally that is how most churches hire anyway. The first person is normally the senior leader. But if we think about that role as being a vision setting role rather than a doing everything role, I think that helps you helps churches work out. Okay, this is the role of of the senior leader and it's it's probably the most important one but you don't need you probably don't need a lot of vision setters it's not like you need to have uh 27 vision setters in your church you normally only need one maybe two who are really focusing on okay where is the church going um so that that's the first one the second one which i think is probably the one that's to think about most is content creators i've done sort of termed as people that are creating content that gets used over and over again um yeah so think about so preachers would be um would fit into that because they are creating content that is usable and reusable say on podcast or video um songwriters i think would come into that blog writers um people that uh create video content uh these they are creating content which is expanding the reach and the um it's expanding that kind of um i guess it's yeah the, the content of the church and saying look this is who we are this is what we're about and they they reach probably further than any of them and normally you know often a pastor is the main content creator as well but there are so many other content creators uh you look at well, say uh, you know, many churches now, their songwriters probably have more reach in terms of their content creation than often senior leaders. You look at some of the, the sort of the big churches that kind of have a, a global reach on that. Their songwriters are doing the, the, the yeah, biggest just content creating. I've just, I just got this idea that a bunch of people sit down and turn on their streaming music service and just play sermons. It's like, no, that, that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, look, even from our own journey as thinking church, right? we've we've started this so this is we would we would say this is you know we're uh we're doing we're we're doing what we preach on this one yes we've started with the vision stuff and actually the second thing that we've started to put in place is the content and for you guys listening and for those that have like followed along with the blogs and followed along with anything else that we're doing you you understand that actually the vision piece of what we've done has been quite clear um, you know, maybe we're tweaking that and working it out over time. You know, that was led from a single point. 
and then we've got the tour of us doing it and mm-hmm. now actually it's more into the content aspect which actually spreads further um so actually we're there's a if you if you've seen what we're doing and how this is uh developing some health and now growing this is this is the same principles that we put in place in the other aspects of our work it's how we work with other people this isn't unusual it's also not exclusive to church um but it's a it's a great it's a great breakdown of a of a step-by-step person after you've kind of got content creators the next strata of role to think about is managers and it's very different from i'm deliberately not saying things like administrators i think what we're thinking about is here is who are those people who can gather a group of volunteers and manage the task really really well and that's people that can um they can take vision they can appropriate that vision into their scenario and their area of the church life they can um and they can take a volunteer team and they can um they can put that volunteer team to to work really and and help them achieve something that's really really meaningful so i think managers and uh, managers always gets a really a bad rap i think management is actually vital for the running of any organization especially a church and i think we need that that strata of people that when we're thinking about hiring managers are going to be very very important as you as you grow yeah and I think the thing with managers is, is because, and when you say like the bad rap it gets, is because many people have experience of working under what they would term as a bad manager, which often is just because they ask you to do something and you don't want to do what they're saying, but they're right, but we just don't like what they're saying. But other times, there's a there's an example called the Peter Principle, uh, which is this um, uh, notion that people get promoted uh to their level of incompetence which is a sense that somebody who's great at doing their job gets promoted to be a manager and becomes a terrible manager yes uh, because they were great at doing the job so we've seen this in play uh out in corporate world we've probably seen it in play within church and charity world let's be honest um and we've probably got experience of this but look these people how they think like a manager at best is someone who understands service. Okay. Yes. Is that, is the, it's probably the deacon role in that sense a little bit. And actually that server aspect of what they're doing means that they are totally able to see the big picture. They totally, totally understand the big picture that you are driving for, but they are administrative in their outworking and they yes. understand how to get it delivered. And then that's how that filters down into what they do and why that is management. It's a, it's actually a stewardship role. This one is critical into how they are the lifeblood of what you want to do. These are people who are normally very committed with a high degree of skill and actually are close to the top in terms of seeing what's required, but also near the coalface in terms of what's going to get delivered. That's a lot to be put on those people. And I, I think we just need to be mindful of that because they also take the brunt from both sides. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The the last strata of people to think about, the last type of role to think about. And I think this is one that is probably, you only need a, a few of these and only for very specific ones, which is doers. There's only, m- majority of the time, the doing of church ministry should be done by volunteers. The management, you think about that for, for, for a staff position. Content creation, that's a staff uh, can be a staff role and then you need that time to be able to do it but the the doing of of um of a specific role or a specific task or that actually should be done mostly by a volunteer but there are circumstances especially as you scale up and start to grow that you are going to need people normally with some usually technical expertise that it's just yeah. almost it's impossible for them to do it in volunteer hours you think of someone who's uh you know often video editing takes hours and hours of work and you can't expect uh, uh, someone to do that. So either they need to do it in a freelance sense or they need to do that in, in a paid sense. Especially as now that that's a lot of the output of a church. I yeah. think the other one is, is that doers maybe been a little bit less so. So maybe, you know, we'll be sensitive around this topic, especially for this point in time. But for those churches who have buildings who look to use their building and utilize it in such a way to generate income and run events is that also you have some quite functional staff that if you have a big building and you are resourcing your community is that you that the, the doer aspect is volunteers are great but actually when you know you need to know that your cleaning has been done by 7 a.m before you open that might become an employed role Yes. Because you, 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 the when I think that when you when you get beyond the kind of this is a bunch of people that turn up on one of our downtimes and it gets done before we really need it to it has to be done it has to be timely and it has to do this so you know if you've got a really big building you that's when you start going okay yeah we've got an ops person we've got a buildings manager you might you know do you need a handyman you know like what's the scale of what you're doing do you need that kind of like tech handy person who can do certain things within the life uh life cycle of what you've got going on you know even just touching up the paint having been the manager of a building for a church that ran large events that came through touring events there, there was great value in actually having that kind of like more caretaker role as a as a doer so again pragmatic and understand your context and by understanding your context but they they needed good job descriptions and you know we were expecting some a lot of the time very quite anti-social hours from them because of the nature of how the lives of, of, of what we were doing was working yeah absolutely uh, okay so lastly um what is probably worth touching on this which is if you are in a position as a church where you think I've got the wrong staff, uh, Lee, what can you do if you think, gosh, I've just got the wrong staff team? Um, first off, take responsibility because you're leading it. Uh, you've got to look at yourself first. If anything's going wrong with the staff team or you are questioning that staff team, remember that if you've gone through discernment or you've picked somebody or you've promoted somebody, look, you've got to look at yourself first okay uh challenging one understandably but you've got to look at yourself first if your your responsibility if you've got people on staff you've got people on team and they're not doing what you think they should be doing or it's not going as you think it should be going is you're responsible for that environment that they are in so take a good look at yourself are you providing them with everything they need are they getting correct line management are they given good quality feedback 
Are they able to feed back? Have you got resource? Do they feel empowered? Or are they just told what to do? And is it dictatorial? Have they got co-ownership in the things that they're you know, asked to do? Look at yourself. You've got to take some responsibility. Ultimately, you're going to carry the responsibility if you have to let somebody go or if that goes bad. So, you know, take that early. Look at yourself. That's that's the primary one. Look at the environment that they're in that you're responsible for and what your position is with them. And have you given them every opportunity to do their best work? Great. OK, so let's say we've 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 done that and we're still after all of that. They're just the wrong person, either you've you've hired wrong in terms of their personality or you've hired wrong in terms of you know you've got a doer and you need to reorient it around a new strategy how can you start to make those changes if you know that you've got to make big structural changes within your yeah your staffing well let's go as well as like saying is somebody now not working out i mean that's going to come down to their line management for want of a better phrase, because I'm not a massive fan of performance management, but in terms of like their monitoring and evaluation, mm-hmm. have you got everything documented? Can you prove? Is there a paper trail as to why you can show that it's not working? So, you know, if there's if there's negligence on their part or, you know, gross misconduct, have you documented verbal warnings? Have you given them opportunity to retrain? Have you given them uh, 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 upskilling. Have you have you spent time with them? Have you got the mentoring? Have you have you have you invested in them to give them every opportunity to do better? Right, that's one. The other one is, you know, we're uh, again. It's a moment in time. We might be having to restructure. Okay, um, so you might be having to go. We're. It, we, we might have to let people go. Uh, the church has gone through a change or we're doing things differently or this new phase that we're in. Actually, what got us to now won't get us to where we need to go. So we're going to restructure. That might involve putting people at risk. You might be looking at redundancy or you might be looking at going as part of that process is that you've got to fit two people now into one role because you're going to redefine that role. You know, you've gone from community engagement, which is out mixing and that to being online and you want to look at what that new role looks like and is there transferable skill or can that person be brought across look first thing get clarity have a plan know your process speak to your hr trustee does the hr trustee bring the skill themselves or do they carry portfolio and know who to call so if you go to them are they making a call into I don't know, let's pick the free one acas or are they going to one of like the paid suppliers uh, you know, maybe you maybe you're in with people like Peninsula or Ellis Whitam or one of the other big players. Uh, you know, you know, there's plenty out there. You can research these, um, or maybe you're ad hoc going to go and just approach um, a solicitors firm and get an HR employment lawyer to come and have a look at what you want to do. But do you know where to make the call? And are you able to articulate fully with clear brief what you actually want to do and why? Because that's the way that you've got to do it to actually give that justification. Because ultimately. Yes, you're a church and you're listening to God and you're doing what you're doing, but you come under charity law and you come under UK employment law and you've got to honour all of those things. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, a a wide ranging conversation about hiring and uh, we hope that it's really beneficial for you. Um, Lee, thank you so much. I can hear the... uh, the, the chimes of the uh, the podcast intro starting to 
to come in. I can, I can, I'm sure of it. So Lee, thank you so but, but much. Chris, but before I finish, thinking cavities. Thinking cavities. There we are. Yes. Send us your tooth related stories to podcast at thinking.church and we'd love to read them out and any thoughts and comments on, on this episode or any other episode that you've, um, that you've listened to. So, you know, listen to any of them and just t- tell us which one you listen to. And we'd love to be able to read it out and interact with that. So, uh, yeah, podcast at thinking.church. Lee, uh, now the chimes are coming in. So they are coming in now. So I'll, I'll say goodbye. Thank you so much, Lee. Yeah. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church. And we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we will see you soon. Bye for now.